Oh, Richard, you're just in time for the annual If It's Hurting, It's Not Working finance audit. Oh, hello, Emily. Crikey, that sounds scary. It's OK, there's nothing to worry about. It's just a series of formal checks and balances. Shouldn't take more than a couple of hours. Uh, I thought you were HR these days. Yeah, I am. But it's a small business, Richard. We all have to wear several hats, right? Expenditure? Well, well, mostly it's been free. Mm, I don't think that's true. I thought you told me that we were at the end of the free period. Well, OK, yeah, OK. So it's, it's $9 a month for hosting. Yeah, and you paid for the theme music. OK, true. So that was another £20. But, but that's all we spent. Well, don't forget there's our free labour, but I'll overlook that for now. So what incomes have we actually had? Uh, nothing. Uh, uh, sorry, nothing at all? No, none. Right, OK. So it's costing us money every month. We're working for free and there's no income. What exactly is the business case for this podcast? Well, how about it's fun and we're giving something back? Mm, Okay, I'll let you have that one. So you better hit the theme music quickly before I change my mind. Hello and welcome to If It's Hurting, It's Not Working, our podcast all about work, why we work, how we work and what makes a great job. In this episode, our theme is going to be around money and how that intertwines with mental health and how it also plays a part in the role of our working lives. If you ask anyone why they do the job they do, you might get a number of different reasons like fulfilment or career development. Yeah, but it's also true that work is the main and sometimes the only source of income that we have. And while money isn't everything, it's important. And right now, we're all seeing an increased pressure on our household expenses, particularly with rising interest rates and increasing fuel and food costs. So we're going to talk about our experience with money, how to have a healthy relationship with it, how to find a job that pays you enough of it and where things can go wrong. But before we do that, we've got a few updates on our podcast. And I guess the first thing we want to say is there hasn't been one for a while. (laughs) Nope. And uh, and that's primarily because both of us fell ill at different times with COVID. It's hard just to keep the basics going in the aftermath of that. Yeah, it took two years, but it finally got us, didn't it? Despite all of the resistance and protection that we put in place to try and avoid it, both at work and in our personal lives, it finally caught us. Should never have gone to centre parks for a week's holiday, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure how I caught it. I mean, some people say it's just like a cold. I mean, it started that way with me, but I've never had a cold like that. I felt really rough for about a week, but even sort of two or three weeks afterwards, I was still feeling pretty tired and lacking in energy. And I was just about on the cusp of saying, OK, let's go with the podcast. And then you said to me, uh-uh. Yeah, it's got me. Yeah, and I felt, I think, pretty much the same, actually, although bit of my stubborn streak came out in me my partner had it just before me obviously we went on holiday together and I was like no it's not going to get me it's not going to get me even though I knew I had it and then I was like it's not going to floor me like it has him it's not going to floor me so I was quite stubborn and, and tried to work my way through it and then eventually I had to give up and say no I just need to rest and ignore the rumor mill that it's just a bad cold that you know those lucky people have experienced that but 
it's important to remember that everybody's experience of it is different and it shouldn't be underestimated and we need to get a bit better I think generally in the workplace of when you're poorly if you're not going to be in the office then you need to not be in the virtual office as well yeah Yeah, it was a bit of an eye-opener yeah and I think our previous guest Claire from the last episode I mean she had experience of long COVID she was in the background certainly telling me to be careful and not overdo it so I think that the moral of the story with COVID is definitely to not underestimate it, listen to your body and rest so that you can get better. Yeah, take that time off work. Very wise words, Emily. Meanwhile, our podcast hosting service Podbean unexpectedly featured us in the business section of the listings on their website and their mobile app in March. And as a result of that, we had a huge number of downloads in March, or certainly comparatively to the past. So look, if that's how you found us and you're coming back this time, then welcome to our podcast and it's great to have you on board. Yes, welcome. And thanks for listening. Indeed. We're continuing to post material on our webpage, ifhurtnot.work. And that's one place where you have links to our podcast episodes and all our social media accounts. So if you if you want to go to one place where everything is, that's probably the best place to go. And obviously, we're still keen to build a self-help community around this podcast. So if you have any thoughts about our episodes, things that have worked well in your own career or topics that you'd like us to cover, please do contact us via our email, ifhurtnotwork at gmail.com or use our Twitter account at ifhurtnotwork or alternatively, you can find us on our LinkedIn page or even Instagram. And thanks to those of you who have followed us on any of these platforms so far. Keep spreading the word. That'd be great. So let's get on to the subject of money. How much money is really enough? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, some people feel like they never have enough. There are some pretty rich people who continue to try and acquire as much as they possibly can, almost as a way, I guess, of keeping score. But I guess for most of us, it's about having enough money to do what we want to do in our personal lives. I suppose that's the main thing. Yeah, and I think what you were just saying there about people that have a lot of money or have done pretty well in their careers and have been successful or, you know, it might be that they've inherited money. They've been, you could say, fortunate enough or actually unlucky enough to have inherited money. Yeah. It becomes, I think, it can become a bit of an addiction. Of, yeah. And I think in this day and age as well, we all are striving for the next biggest thing once you've achieved that biggest thing you're striving for the next biggest thing so it's a never-ending scale of expectation and drive and passion to have more yeah so I have a rule of thumb in my life which is that I'm not really motivated by money but I am motivated by a lack of money (laughs) Uh, and, and I guess to explain that it's more obvious in its absence than in its presence in those rare blissful occasions when I've had you know, a nice full bank account, I don't sort of go around feeling extra happy. But I guess in those occasions, and we'll talk about at least one of them soon, where I haven't had enough, it's almost all you can think about at times. It, and it really becomes kind of crushing. If you've got enough money to cover the basic expenses, you know, somewhere to live, the food bill, that sort of thing, then you, know, you can relax a little bit. But if you haven't, then it becomes a real struggle. Yeah, and I can... I can definitely relate to all of that from when I was younger, when I first had my son, I was on my own living with my parents to start with and then managed to get placed in a in a council house in a little flat of my own. And the pressure 
went up tenfold then to be able to survive and get by and Mm. I was back at work but you know I wasn't on a particularly high wage at that point I did get some help from the benefits system but even then it was quite a struggle at times I remember what I used to do was I'd get paid and I'd go to the bank or the post office and I'd draw out all of my money for my bills and then all of my money that I needed for things like fuel and food and I'd go home and I had ice cream tubs and I used to put the right amount of cash in each ice cream tub to see me through the month and then anything that I had or didn't have left in my bank account would then go towards the luxury items of days out or a bit of clothes for myself or things like that so it can be if you haven't quite got enough the pressure and the stress that that can bring Mm. can be quite impactful I think that's a brilliant way of looking at it Emily and and, and in some ways I think it's you know the problem that we have these days is that it is just a bunch of numbers on a sheet of paper and it's hard to visualize it in that way you know that what you're describing there is 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 a sort of physical manifestation of of money and compartmentalizing it and and that obviously helped you to get through it you know a lot of the time having moved to a cashless society it becomes much harder to envisage how much money we've got and how we're spending it yeah and I think moving to that cashless is dangerous obviously it's got many advantages yeah but then equally you know the next generation coming up through the ranks they've got no perspective on what real money feels like I remember at primary school we'd do the whole like you've got your two p's one p's five p's you'd go through like play shops budget for things Mm. I mean I don't recall my son doing that at school when we were only talking 12 years ago that he was first at primary Mm. school and that to me I think that's where we could be failing the next generation that are coming up that they've got no idea how to budget and when my son used to go off to school trips and they'd ask for spending money for them I used to put it into envelopes for him for every day so Mm. that he didn't go there on day one and get 20 pounds out of his wallet and go and spend it all in the sweet shop and the gift shop on some tat that he didn't need and then at the end of the week he'd go oh well I've got nothing left for that that I actually really want now I've reflected on it so I mean some people would say that's quite controlling but I think that's actually the right way to educate children on how to budget for for real money and he's he's done that as he's got older as well I've kept teaching him how to budget because it's not something they teach in schools and Mm. then we wonder why we've got a generation in debt yes although as we'll discover soon it's not just young people who end up in debt no so bringing it into the world of work a bit more and I suppose thinking about a job as our main source of income Mm-hmm. then I guess there's various ways that, that we can look at that. I mean, there's being happy at work and then there's, I guess, there's having enough money to live on. And it might be possible, I suppose, in some circumstances to have a job that you love doing that doesn't pay very well and to adjust your, your life to cope with that, either for a short time or for a longer time, because you you can sort of manage. Or, you know, you might say to yourself, well, I simply have to have the money and then am I prepared to accept a job that, I, that I'm not very happy with just so that I can have that amount of money? Those, I guess, are the sorts of things that we have to wrestle with in our lives. Yeah, and they're quite big things to wrestle with because yeah. it's always that devil and the angel on one shoulder and the other shoulder, isn't it? Of, well, actually, that job is something that I really love and wouldn't get so much satisfaction out of. But then that's not something I can do necessarily because the wage isn't high enough to fulfill the quality of life that 
you've created for yourself so it Mm. is a really tough decision to make and it's it's one that I mull over every now and then as well of am I working to live or am I living to work Mm. and I think life's so short that you shouldn't constantly be stressed and working all the hours God sends just to make ends meet because then by the time you, you get to the weekend or whatever you can't enjoy that time so it is it's it's a really challenging one isn't it so it's it's always about balance I think yeah I mean ideally we find a job that we love that pays us enough money and then uh, and it's something that we that we might almost do if, if it paid us nothing so that we enjoy what we do and we have what we need but I mean you know that's some people get manage that and, and and others don't and I, I you know I, I guess I enjoy the work that I do and it's reasonably well paid so, I, so that makes me lucky but I've certainly been in plenty of situations when that wasn't the case yeah and I think that it's that that ultimate dream isn't it they say that if you can find a hobby that you love and you get paid for it by making it your job then you're winning there aren't you and I think the way I look at it as well as the job that I'm doing now if I won the lottery would I still want to do that job on a mm. part-time basis because let's face it if you won the lottery you wouldn't want to work full-time surely because you can't enjoy it <laughs> mm. I mean the last thing we might come back to this in a bit that I wanted just to introduce in this first section was something that I think we're not very good at doing in in the United Kingdom certainly is understanding what our worth is in financial terms what's a fair wage for the work that I do how much can I demand but it is something that we kind of need to have a handle on because if we don't then either we've got unrealistic expectations or alternatively we're we're underselling ourselves yeah and you should never undersell yourself you should always know your value but like you say it's difficult to work out what that is based on all of the market conditions and I heard literally as I was driving into work this morning on the news headlines that they were talking about is it actually fair to ask people their wage when they're going for an interview within a new role to ask them what their existing wage is because then it's quite possible that they would get an offer made to them that's less than what they may well have gone in at yeah and I thought that's quite interesting yeah so that's you ask it so that's an interesting quandary i mean do you do you lie in that situation and say look you know i'm i'm paid such and such just just because it's more in line with what you think the 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 expectations for the new role is or as you say is it utterly irrelevant and you say well look what do you need to know that for Uh, Mm. i I mean not necessarily in quite such a confrontational way but it's like either i am valuable to you in this in this role and you want me to do it or i'm not and, and what i'm currently paid is to do with that other job that i'm doing yeah so why should it be pitched Obviously, you can understand it in a way if it's a like for like job within a different yes. organisation. But if it's a completely different role, you've come back from a career break or something like that. I mean, there's so many scenarios, isn't there? And it's a really valid point. Like, why should it be pitched against your previous mm. job? This is a completely new role and should yeah. be taken for that. So, yeah, it's, it is an interesting one. Yeah. Ask me what I would be happy to earn in this role for sure. That's a good conversation to have. Mm hmm. Okay, so look, you told a couple of stories in previous episodes about your situation with with mental health. And I thought it was about time that I discussed something from my history that's really relevant to this topic. So I wanted to talk about an occasion when I found myself in a debt spiral. But I wanted to explain, I suppose, to put it into context. Often when you hear stories like this, it's about profligate spending or it's about an addiction 
But actually, this is something that I mean, certainly not all the choices that I made were, were good ones, but it was it was actually sort of external circumstance and a bunch of fairly reasonable decisions that kind of led one after another into a situation. But the reason I wanted to tell the story now is because I think external circumstances, you know, the rise in fuel prices, rises in inflation and, and just generally in the cost of living could be putting some of our listeners in, into a similar situation. And I guess I wouldn't recommend the, the way that I handled this. You know, maybe we can talk about that. So the situation was that my wife and I took out a, a mortgage on when we bought a new house. And it was just before the last big financial crisis, the one when everything went wrong, wrong in America and all the banks went into meltdown. Oh, yes. And it was a stretching mortgage, but it was a reasonable thing for us to do. There were plenty of banks who were prepared to loan us the money at the time. And in order to get the size of house we wanted, we, we just had our daughter. We could certainly afford the repayments. It wasn't an unreasonable thing for us to do. Okay. But when the financial crisis hit, funnily enough, the banks took a different view on things. And we were in that situation where you, you go in, you get an ind- initial fixed rate deal, and then that expires. Yep. And so we went back to get a new one, as, as you always do. And they said, uh, well, you see, the rules have changed now. And well, you, you, you aren't earning as much as we'd like. And that's quite a big mortgage. And in summary, we couldn't find anyone that would offer us a remortgage. So we dropped out of the deal onto the standard variable rate, which, you know, as you're aware, it's yeah. a chunky, chunky sum of money and the repayments in, uh, increased. And then I guess that took us from from having income and expenses being roughly equal to not having enough to yep. to deal with that. And, you know, in that situation, you do the obvious stuff. You look at your expenditure and you say, OK, what can I chop out? What can I get rid of? But even then, that still wasn't going to do it. So. I did what I guess a lot of people will do in those circumstances. I use credit cards to cover some of those costs. Mm-hmm. And that still seemed manageable because it was a time when you when you could get interest-free balance transfers. So you're not necessarily paying massive amounts of interest on the debt. But, you know, you do that for a while and the sum mounts up. And eventually I went to get another credit card with a free interest rate deal. And they said, no, no, no we won't lend you that money. I guess that was the first time that I started. I mean, I didn't feel comfortable about it, but it was the first time I thought, oh, I'm in a little bit deeper than I thought I was. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I did through all of that that probably saved me in the end was I kept paying something each month to all of my creditors. I didn't sort of default on the payments. And I guess that meant that I had a reasonable credit record when we went to, to redress it. But even then, I didn't actually deal with the situation. And and I guess there were two things that I think were that were going on. The first was... I was burying my head. I just didn't really want to think about it. I hear about situations like this from other people too. The bill comes in, you really don't want to look at it. You stick it in a drawer and forget about it. And because it's being settled by direct debit, you know, it's not like that's a, a fatal situation, but it just means that the sum that you're, that, that you're in debt is, is going up and up. But there's also shame involved. There's a thing in our society, I think, that says you ought to be able to cope with this stuff if you're an adult. And once you're in a bit of a mess, you don't really want to have to admit to anyone that that's the situation. And I've talked previously also about having grown up in a society that sort of sees men as providers, that not being able to provide for your family feels like a failure as well. That's the story of how I got into the situation. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I expect there's thousands and thousands of people out there that have been in the same situation at that point in their lives where we went into a massive recession and and I think the thing about that is that it's 
it's not through any fault of your own either yet mm. it can still bring so much shame to the situation because you without being the stereotypical putting labels on genders but the man does tend to feel a lot of pressure to be the person that's the sole breadwinner bringing in the money paying the bills supporting his family and providing for them mm. so there's no wonder that that brings so much pressure and like you say you use the word shame there upon yourself because you feel like in a way I guess you're you were failing mm-hmm. to do what you needed to do and the cruelty of it is none of it was through your own doing had you had been able to get that remortgage that was on the same sort of fixed rate as before and you weren't forced to go down that route of okay well you're you're going on to the standard variable and that's going to increase and put so much more pressure on you you're not going to be able to your income ins aren't going to be as big as your outgoings and I think that's where <laughs> I mean, we can't change the world, but it really frustrates me because that's where society's going so wrong. Mm. Like, it just it makes me quite cross, actually, because it's just preying on the vulnerable when actually at that point in time, that's where they should be providing help and have not crisis strategies, but they should be able to pull something out the bag like they've done with the pandemic. Extra yes. support has been given to people where you know there's gosh there's so many people that haven't had the support that they've needed and I appreciate that but I think that's where our society and our governments go so badly wrong Mm. is that they don't look at things like that yeah I I mean I think things have probably changed I I doubt I'd have felt quite as abandoned these days in, Mm. in a similar situation and certainly my antidote to that lately has been to get a fixed rate deal for as long as possible so that yeah. you have f- fewer of those opportunities for, for things to go wrong. And I think as well, when it happens to you once, you certainly, yes. I mean, there's that old saying, isn't there? Once bitten, yeah. twice shy. You're never yeah. going to do the same thing again. So you learn from your experiences. I mean, I'm interested to know how you, because you, you talked about obviously the situation and how it occurred. But then how did you get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also I guess I also wanted to just nudge briefly because you, you mentioned mental health earlier on. And I think, you know, and I, I've, I've talked several times on this podcast as having robust mental health. Well, I, you know, I, I think that's true. But I guess this was probably well, we had one other episode that I talked about, but this was probably the time when I guess I suffered. It wasn't like a, a massive episode or anything, but it was just perhaps my behavior changed a bit and there's that sense of normal relationship with friends you know there are things that involve spending money and you sort of become a bit kind of cagey about the fact I just don't have any money but I don't want to admit that I don't have any money and it's mm-hmm. you know that th- there's all those sorts of things that go on and also ostensibly I'm in a I'm in a fairly well-paid job so you know it looks like I ought to have enough to get by on and I suppose as it proved I did. It's just that it's just this debt situation that was a problem. So to cut to the chase, my wife talked to me and she said, look, you know, we've just got to do something about this situation. It isn't sustainable. And even then, I kind of didn't want to confront it because of the shame of it. But ultimately, I suppose the thing that, that worked in our favour was she got a better job at the school she works at. I got a better job where I was working and we got sort of increase in salary. And also the sort of general thrust of house prices went up. So so I went to a, to a mortgage broker and although obviously I needed to borrow a, a lot more in order to cover the debts that I'd run up as well as the current value of the, of the mortgage, as a fraction of the supposed worth of the house, it was 
enough that it sort of fe fell within their calculations once more. And also it was okay in terms of our of our income. So I guess time was on our side from that point of view. But I mean, I almost didn't take that rope out because I was, you know, I felt so embarrassed to go to to somebody in a mortgage broker and admit kind of how much of a mess I was in, you know, in order to in order mm. to take the lifeline. Funnily enough, she said, "Oh, people are like people come to like, like with with stuff like this to me all the time." I mean, this is this, well, this is this, is this is absolutely bog standard yeah. story. So so you know. She said, so long as you are completely honest with me and you get everything on the table, I'll be able to sort it out for you. And, and that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Like you're never like with with mental health and situations like this, you always feel like, oh, my God, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one experiencing this right now. And it can feel like a very lonely place. But then when you do reach out for that help and you speak to the the, the experts that can get you out of the situation, like your like your own it's always I don't know if you found it but it was quite comforting to find that you got that reassurance from your mortgage broker did you mm. find that yeah so I mean obviously it was an immediate weight off my mind that there was probably a way out of it you know but obviously it takes some months to go through that process and sort mm -hmm. it out I mean the thing that was the best well no I'm not the best experience of my life that's that's overstating <laughs> it but 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 the the big the greatest change I suppose from darkness to light perhaps was that being able to go and pay off those credit card bills one after another and sort of see the balance go to zero and think right that's it that's gone that's yeah. that's sorted I don't have to worry about that anymore and I mean I, look I still do use a credit card but now I pay off the balance each month so so it's you know I know that that it's not going to be in that increasing situation you follow Martin Lewis's mantra then, pay yeah. it off in full. <laughs> yes, yeah. And look, I mean, it isn't consequence free getting in that situation. I'm going to have a mortgage for a lot longer than many of my contemporaries. But the mm -hmm. peace of mind is is well worth it. And actually, Richard, everything that you've just mentioned there resonates with myself, not quite to the same degree where I had a mortgage and things. But there was a period where I was paying the rent. I think I'd gone back from maternity leave. I think I went back full time. But for some reason, I think costs have gone up again same sort of situation as yours and my incomings were less than my outgoings despite all the the help that I was getting from the benefits system it just wasn't enough to see me by mm. and I know that I, I needed a new car at the time so I went out and I got my first ever personal loan mm -hmm. to purchase a car so I could get to work to keep paying the bills which was great but the problem with that was that I still had that same problem in the background where my incomings were not as great as my outgoings and now I had this car payment on top just as a solution to be able to keep my incomings coming in so I had a same situation where I but I used my overdraft so every mm. month I'd chip away at trying to pay off the overdraft a little bit but it never fully went mm. so that was the point that bank called me in and they went we can see you've got a situation going on here where you're always in your overdraft and you've got a personal loan so why don't we reconsolidate for you so it was that old situation of okay that sounds great young naive mm. so okay yep great let's do that but that didn't solve the problem that I still my incomings were less than my outgoings so six months later I found myself in the same situation and before mm. I knew it I had nearly ten thousand pounds worth of loan to keep paying back and it wasn't it wasn't going down and this was mm. you know one of your top six banks that weren't providing any solution they were just taking and taking yeah. and taking from the vulnerable and then as career progressed obviously I got different jobs and eventually I started actually chipping away at, at the cost and it was coming down but then there was an unfortunate situation 
in my life where my my grandparent passed away, my nan and my granddad mm. had already passed away. So that was time for some inheritance. Now, had that been a situation where I wasn't in debt, that would have been a great opportunity for me to be able to go and get myself out of the council yeah. tenancy and go and potentially put a deposit down on a on my own property. But yeah. because of the situation that I was in, I missed that opportunity and had mm. to use my inheritance to pay back debt. And I kind of went, I'm never, ever doing that again. Like mm. I will completely strip back on all the luxury items and go back to basics and really go out there and see what else I can do to get help. And I've lived by that and I haven't ever lived beyond my means again. So it's a steep learning curve sometimes, I think, for people, especially around yeah. this subject area and the, the impact that it can have on your mental health. And I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right in saying that when, when you have a visceral experience of it, then it makes it much easier for you to understand the trap. But yeah, if we can help somebody from falling into it, then then that would be great too. Okay, so obviously we touched base on the fact that a pay increase and a better job role helped us in that situation to get us out of yeah. of debt. But with our listeners in the short term. Yeah, if you're in this situation where your incomings don't meet your outgoings, there's a variety of things you can do. In the short term, I guess you can, as we said, you can look to, to reduce your outgoings. But also you might be thinking about well, how, how am I going to increase my income as well? So if you're looking to increase your income, you can look to try and get better pay in the role that you're currently in. And you can certainly introduce that discussion with your boss and with the company where you work. But I guess that's always a difficult strategy and probably revolves around you demonstrating that you can bring more value to the organisation in, in return for that money. I guess that's probably the conversation you're going to have to have. Yeah, and I suppose it's a way as well you could potentially if you've got things within your role that you feel you could do better but you needed to be on a like a little development plan of okay so you can't necessarily give me a pay rise just to help me out right now but here's what I'm willing to to give to the company as an additional so can you look into potentially that route when you go into your boss to try and get a pay rise pitch it so that you're looking at it from the benefits of the company because obviously they know that you're going to go in with it for the benefit of yourself. But yeah, try and describe and demonstrate to your boss yes. would be my advice of how that can actually benefit the company. Yeah. And you have to be realistic about the fact that probably the person that you speak to doesn't have the power to actually make it happen. So you're going to have to help them if they're going to support you to make the case to others in the organisation. Yeah, that's it. And they're going to listen to your case and then you're probably a valuable member of their team and they're not going to want to lose you because then that's the other alternative, isn't it, is that you go elsewhere for a potential pay increase. So you move organisations. Yeah, I think there's never a problem in having an honest discussion and say, look, I need to be earning more money. I need to find a way of doing that. and maybe looking elsewhere. If there's a way that we can do it in the organisation, that'd be great because it's out there and, and it's, it's not desperation you're, you're simply stating a fact and people are informed and if they if they value you then they may find a way of helping you with your aspiration yeah and let's face it at the end of the day if you don't ask you don't get and what's the worst that can happen they can say no they're not going to yeah. hold it against you are they they're not going to be able to give you a paid reduction or <laughs> or put a black mark against your name those days yeah. generally within organizations and companies are long gone yeah 
And then I guess further out from that, you have to say, okay, what's my longer term plan to get to where I want to? What's the long game for, for my salary? So I suppose, again, you, you have to be thinking about what do I need to be able to do in order to get the sort of salary that would leave me feeling comfortable? And what's my plan to get those skills or get those opportunities? I think if you've got a plan, that's always a really good start, isn't it, on how you see your career progressing and moving towards that job that has the salary that you want. And I think you're never too young to start that, is what I would say I've learned from experience. I just, in the early days of my career, when my son was very little, I just needed a job. I wasn't Mm. thinking about the longer term of how I can work my way up the so-called career ladder and always get the next job that would be more money like that was not on my radar so I you know I think about the long game from quite an early age once you've left your your school your college university at whatever point it is in your life that you get into the, the career ladder yeah also in the end if the getting more money and getting it quickly is what you need then probably you're going to have to change organization it's like, you know, when you're trying to get the best deal on insurance or on the broadband or whatever, you know, changing company is is, is, is the thing that gets you the, the best deals. It's a shame, but it's it's kind of how it is. Sometimes it's very difficult for an organization to see you in a different light and you might need to, to try and reinvent yourself and present yourself as something different. And, that you know, that's not it's not straightforward, but it's not impossible to do. We both talked in the past, I guess, about how you, you take core skills from what you already do and then mix those with new skills to get you in the position that you need to be. And I guess the alternative, if you really love what you do and you don't want to change, then you have to think about, OK, well, how, how am I going to manage that situation? Because I think we both explained how if you do nothing at all, it often ends badly. So you have to think about what your plan is, if you're happy or satisfied with the work that you do and the, and the money you receive, how are you going to adjust your lifestyle accordingly? Yeah, and I think as well that it's it's so important at that point that if that's a situation that you find yourself in where you don't want to give up what you do because you really love it, but you're obviously on a lower pay than you need, that's the point where go out to all of the organisations. There's loads of charities out there yeah. to seek help and find out how in the short term that you can try and prevent yourself from getting yourself into any debt because there's a lot of things that matter more than the money obviously bills don't go away but you don't want to sacrifice what you've got unnecessarily just to keep the job that you love it's just not worth it in my opinion to put yourself under that pressure and and cause you to potentially go into mental health crisis yeah really good advice emily about you know reaching out to to charities that deal with debt and getting getting some advice from them as well for your particular situation i mean it'd be great if those charities weren't out there and we didn't have a need for them but the reality Mm. is those sorts of charities are becoming more and more common Mm. because you're not alone and it's a spiraling situation we're one of the richest countries in the world yet we've got so many people that are living on the poverty line so you know that's the reality I think of the the world that we're living in these days that there shouldn't be that stigma and shame around debt I I think when when I was a boy generally if you if you were in work and you were earning you would have enough to cope with the bills life threw at you so long as as your expectations were realistic Mm-hmm. But I, but I think increasingly that's not the case. I think increasingly you can find yourself in a situation where you don't have enough coming in to to meet your expenditure, not because your 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 spending 
in a profligate manner, not because you are you, you have unrealistic expectations, but just because of circumstance, just because of of prices going up. Really, don't be don't be ashamed and don't be afraid to reach out for help. If you need help from places like food banks, it's absolutely no shame. It's one of those things. And take the help that's offered. And then maybe in a few years time, you'll, it'll, you'll be on your foot and you'll be able to offer help to somebody yourself. But yeah, take the help when it's offered and don't be too proud. Now, you make a really good point there about food banks, because the availability that people have to those has changed so much as well. Going back to my situation when I was younger, yes, I probably could have gone down that route to try and alleviate some pressures and some outgoings but I didn't feel that I was entitled to it Mm. and now if you look at it so I think through the pandemic and things like that there's no remit of what you should or shouldn't be earning that's all gone Mm. like there is no stigma attached to that when you go down your food banks these days yeah so don't don't ever be ashamed to do that absolutely some of them require referral but I think it's just on the basis of need yeah So as we bring this podcast to a close, we've obviously touched on quite a few bits around mental health in this episode, and it's quite apt that that timing comes as Mental Health Awareness Week is coming up between the 9th and the 13th of May. It will be in the media a lot, and it's a great time that if you know you haven't had any experience with mental health, you've been fortunate enough not to have any friends or family or experience of it as an individual, what better time to be able to go out and look at all the resources that will be out and available to get your head around it and try and get an understanding of it. And obviously, if you're going through any sort of crisis at the moment or are struggling with your mental health, there's so many charities out there, Calm, Samaritans, just to name two, that you can reach out to, Mind as well. So yeah, if you go on good old Google or any other search providers are available um (laughs) go out there and just do some of your own research to understand it a little bit it's a really important topic and i think the more we talk about it the more understanding and prevention can be put in place for people yes and the place where you work may well have a program of activity and if it does then you know we'd certainly recommend you get involved in that and we'll add some resources into the notes associated with this episode to help you if, if, if you need to access those Perfect. Great. Look, if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. You can leave reviews in places like Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. And it'd be great if you could tell at least one other person that you've enjoyed it so that uh, it helps to, to, to spread and grow our listener base. But of course, if you didn't like it, please just don't tell a soul. If you've not got anything nice to say, then just don't say it at all. And by all means, you can contact us with your thoughts and ideas via our email address, ifhurtnotwork at gmail.com or any of our social media platforms. And we'll be back soon. Great. Yeah. See you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you, and thanks to those of you who have, I'll get that one out. And thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think building on the thought you just had, um, which has also now gone from my head. 